everybody, and welcome back to the Broadway Jets podcast. You'll know me from Twitter as NYJ Mike, and I'm joined as always by the master of receipts. It's NYJ Matt. We are dead inside, Matt. I feel I feel probably the worst I've felt in a, in a, in a long time, and I've, I tweeted today, I feel like every time we get to rock bottom, I don't think it can get much worse, and then you play a divisional rival at home, and you lose 20-3 to three with your starting quarterback and starting three wide receivers you've been waiting for. As always, the Jets kind of came out with some life on the first drive. We've seen that in the past with, with Sam Darnold. After the first drive, I tweeted out, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what Darnold and company does moving forward. And the rest of the game was abysmal. Um, I want to, you know, start with your thoughts and and see what you you took away from the game. My first reaction to the game is I'm, you know, first of all, Sam Darnold has, is in a position now where if he doesn't come back, it's on him. You know, we, we defend him all the time. People say we're making excuses for him, whatnot. We love Sam, uh, but at this point, if he doesn't have a miracle last five games, it's going to be the end of Sam as a Jet, and it's, you know, bad for the franchise. Um, the second takeaway I have is, what the fuck is Adam Gase doing? And who knows who's calling the plays, like this ridiculous saga. But I counted 10 times in the first half the Jets, actually, excuse me, nine times in the first half, with a longer than second and seven, the Jets gave the ball to Frank Gore. He had seven runs and two mm-hmm. catches out of the backfield on second and seven or more in the first half. So, And the, the, the Jets also ran up the middle with Ty Johnson. So incredible lack of creativity. It's just, you know, Donald's in not a good position to succeed. Dan Orlovsky tweeted the same thing. He said the Jets play calling is the definition of insanity. It's the same thing over and over again. Um, but Sam has to be better and eliminate those mental mistakes. But even if he, you know, even if he didn't throw those two picks, you know, what is he going to finish? 16 of 25 with 190? No touchdowns, no picks? It's it's not enough. And it, yeah. that's, that's where the blame goes a little bit to Gates because – does Sam even have the ability to, you know, have a breakout game in this offense? Yeah, I don't think he does. And he can't call audibles at the line of scrimmage. Um, you can tell that there's no confidence after throwing the first pick. He kind of looked, I would say, shocked and kind of just turtled in and didn't seem like the same type of confident player from the first drive. 19 straight quarters without a touchdown. Two games this year out of seven has he eclipsed 200 yards. Um and the, the highest was 230, never threw for multiple touchdowns in a game. It's just the type of things that – are we confident that Darnold can elevate this team past Adam Gase? Now, I think if you take a normal coach and a normal team around him, Adam Gase, or Sam Darnold can be a good quarterback. I think the fact that week in, week out, we're seeing a few mental mistakes come through. We're not seeing him confident. We're not seeing him step up and make those tight window throws. It comes back on on Darnold, and we've said, you know, in five games, Darnold can go out and win two of them and ruin the chance of getting the first pick, and that could be great if he played great all five of those games. But those games are continuing to lose one after another, and you at a point you're only going to have two games left. And in those two games against the Browns and Patriots, you can't go out and win those if you played like crap for for the past three weeks. So 
Jets are in a really um, tough situation right now with Darnold. I think it's something that really there's not a playbook for. Not a lot of teams have a guy after three years that they like who had a tough year three, and then you go into a clusterfuck of everyone getting hurt, having a horrible coach, and you get that first pick with the John Elway, Andrew Luck-type prospect. It's a weird time to be the Jets, and I want to go back to Adam Gates calling this game because what he did in the final two minutes of the first half was one of the most shocking things I've ever seen a head coach do on a football field. I guessed. I have the play-by-play here. I'll, I'll run through it really quick, and then we can break it down. Four minutes left, Darnold throws the slant to Mims, goes for 35 yards. Uh, two minutes left, Darnold runs for the first down. Around midfield, two-minute warning. Uh, Gore, nice first down run, incomplete pass. Gore, nice first down run to the 20-yard line with one minute and two seconds left. Two and keep out. in mind, that's on second down. That's right. on second and 10. They threw an incomplete pass. So you are now at 102 on the, play, on the game clock, down 13-3 to three on the 20-yard line. Two timeouts. Uh, I thought the Jets called a timeout because the broadcast kind of cut to the sideline. I, I wasn't looking at the game clock. And then I see Darnold snap the ball with 29 seconds left. They hadn't used a timeout yet. And he throws an incomplete pass. So I was floored at that point that they didn't use, not only they don't have to use a timeout there, but get to the line with some urgency. Something that we've been critical of Darnold his entire career so far is not getting to the line quick enough, not having enough urgency when he needs to. Next play on second and 10, run up the middle for no gain uh, with Frank Gore, call a timeout. Third and 10, throw it a hitch where Crowder tries to wrap around the outside, gets a yard short timeout. So with a minute and two seconds left on, on the a twenty yard line, line. you can't zero and ten. You're zero yeah. ten. You have to you have to score a touchdown there. But they don't even try. Run. Normal teams with a minute left, two timeouts in that situation, can get six to seven plays off, even if they don't get a touchdown. And the yes. Jets got three out, three plays out with a Frank Gore run up the middle, a throw before the sticks, and then an incomplete pass. And they miss a twenty nine yard field goal. It's it's. But it's a microcosm of the situation. So the Jets just don't maximize anything. They don't maximize any type of situation. They don't – they're always like – you always bring it up last or near the bottom of the league and plays ran, time of possession. I mean, it's very frustrating to watch that. You know, you – like, as guys that are rooting for Sam – and I don't understand. It's not a hot take to root for Sam. You know, people I, – I tweeted out today. I said, I feel dead inside. I, I want Sam to do well. If we get Trevor Lawrence as the best consolation prize of all time, not a hot take. All I'm saying is wait for the season. Like we said in the beginning of the year, it's ridiculous to want to tank. If you're 0 and 10, 0 and 11, or it doesn't have to be that extreme. If you're 2 and 9 and Sam looks terrible, then we have the conversation about Trevor. We're ha- we had that conversation. We're okay with taking Trevor Lawrence. Now I want Sam to play well the rest of the season, you know, so the Jets can properly evaluate what they have. If Sam plays poorly, we're good for Trevor. Um, yeah. But the but the problem is Sam is is handicapped. Look, I think the correct take is it's annoying and horrible that the Jets ruined Sam Darnold, and it's annoying and horrible that Sam Darnold has underperformed when he's been out on the field in 2020. But it's not enough just to say that on Jets Twitter. I feel like too many people are making Sam Darnold a meme or, or having fun at the fact that he's been struggling or throwing a bad pick, not playing well. You know, 19 straight quarters without a touchdown throw. That's a stat that should make you upset, not laugh at. This you was know, our guy. This was our savior. People forget that. It was so. Sh- it was a short time ago. 
right if you asked jet fans on the saturday night before they played the bills week 1 what they thought sam darnold i bet you 70% of them said he's a franchise quarterback. I think now, even more. I think even more. Probably. Think- it was our guy. He was the savior. People forget so fast. And it's not like Gene. Now I see Geno Smith was better, all this shit. Look, Geno was not the same. Oh. He was a divisive uh, person the whole time. Not as a not as a man, but as a player. People, right. you know, a lot of fans were not high on Geno the whole time. Sam Darnold was beloved. He was the guy. So, you know, Jet fans lose interest quickly. We asked for patience. Um, you know, now it's week week twelve. We're zero and eleven. If the Jets have the number one pick, we need to take Trevor Lawrence. We we said it. We we wanted to have this conversation later. It is later. We're ready to have the conversation. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't. You know, it's in the best interest of the Jets for Sam to go out and play very well the last five weeks. But it has to be consistent football. Right. Where if you get the second pick, you can keep Sam, and if you get the first pick, you can trade him for something. Which I mean, is it's so almost, sickening to say. It's almost as if you're watching your kid go out in a little league game, and when he plays bad, you look around, you're like, dude, that kid fucking sucks. Like, I can't stand <laughs> him. Rather than being like, damn, I would really love for him to play well, but I need to acknowledge that he's not playing well. Yeah, and, and then you have to trade back. your kid. Yeah, it, it's, Child just, trafficking. it's just weird. I, I just, I don't like how it. If you're not, it's not only enough to, to call out bad play, you have to throw a jab in there. You have to make another point of, wow, he really does suck. Like, you stadium, you know, Twitter account just tweeted out Sam Darnold stinks. Like, all right, come on, bro. Like, be more original than that. Call yeah. out bad play. Call out, you know, maybe you don't want him to play great because you want Trevor Lawrence. That's not the craziest take ever. But don't openly say, make your own quarterback who you loved four months ago a meme. It's just like a dumb... It doesn't make sense to me. Whatever. I, I can't even... I If there was a button right now to sim to the end of the season, I would. And I never, ever, ever thought in my life I would feel like that as a football fan. But I just need to know right now, if you're four, we're going to have Darnold, we're going to have Lawrence, we're going to have a different quarterback. I need to know right now because I'm tired. I don't even tweet anything really about the subject anymore because it just gets too overwhelming. But geez, I just want to know who the who the fuck the quarterback is going to be next year because it's exhausting. And Mike, there's five more weeks of it left. It's not going to end unless the Jaguars can win a game. It's going to go down to the wire. Yeah, I like the Jaguars keep playing close games. Also, you know they play the Bears. I don't know if that's next week or. But I think that's a little later. But you're right. They play the Vikings too. Um, and the Vikings are pretty good, but the Vikings can lose to Peter. You know, the Vikings are... They're a fluky team. They're very fluky. Uh, they're talented, but... I'm just frustrated, man, about Sam. And, you know, he looked good in the first half. 9 for 15, 129 yards. Jets are moving the ball. couple drops, couple nice catches. Um, the picks are bad. Look, it's hard to defend, but... Man, it's just the worst situation. Like, you just... I just... You know, of all the reasons to fire Gase, the Jets should have done it a couple weeks ago to give Sam the rest of the year with a different coach just to really evaluate. I mean, it's the most important thing the Jets can do right now is evaluate Sam Darnold. Obviously. That's the quarterback, the 23-year-old quarterback who was supposed to be your franchise guy. You got to figure out what he is. You know, because if the Jets make, you know, if the Jets get the second pick and trade this guy and take fields, it could be a real fucking disaster, a real disaster. And I, I'm very scared of that, you know. And and the tough thing is, each week Darnold goes out there with Adam Gaze and doesn't play well, his trade value goes down. I don't 
I don't think right now a team would be willing to give up a first-round pick for Darnold, who's really, really struggled this year under Adam Gase. I think a second-round pick is definitely in play if the Jets get the number one overall pick for a trade for Darnold, but it just doesn't look like the same player, even from his, his rookie year, from year two. Something just feels so off, and where last year in those Redskins and Raiders and Giants game, every time he stepped back to throw, I just I felt like something good was going to happen and someone would be open and run down field, get 20 yards. Every time he throws now, I get that feeling of, God, I really hope it's not you know double coverage. You know, I, I hope it's Mims getting a, a catch. There's also like a privilege to throw the ball on normal downs. Like second and 10, I have to say, please, please. I, I, if I had one wish in my whole life, I would use it the next time to just have second and 10 not to run up the middle. Just it's don't strange. run the ball up the middle every every time. And I love I – I'm not the guy who wants to throw the ball 40 times. You know, I want to just do it in this particular situation to see what Sam is. But my normal preference of an offense is something what the Titans run. Good balance. Let your tailback wear down the defense, especially if a power guy. Give him 20-plus carries. You know, you know, you don't have to go crazy, try and control the game. But now it doesn't make sense. We're 0-11. You are trying to evaluate your quarterback, and you give a 38-year-old tailback nine touches on second and ten. Nine in one half. It's infuriating, and it, it doesn't give Sam the real chance of the reins he needs when, you know, his confidence is damaged. <sighs> yeah, and, you, and look, you're right. Not only did Adam Gaze, he did it year one when he was the head coach. He did it week one. He did it week two, week three of 2019. We called him out for it. And the it's almost as if he's like, they don't think I'm going to run it here, so I'm going to run it here. But when you do it for, what, 30 games now? Yeah. Like, it's going to add up. Almost 30 games has been the coach. It's going to add up over time. It's, what are you, 7-20 as a head coach? Do something different. The, the Broncos game is a great example of Darnold did not play his best game. He threw the ball 40 times. We knew what he was – He they put him out there, too, with a, a bum shoulder after he got hurt. But it was the type of game where Darnold stepped back. He threw on second and long. He threw on first down. You know, the Jets moved the ball down the field and put up 20-plus points. If we did that every game, I would feel much more comfortable in evaluating Sam Darnold. I cannot evaluate him. You can't evaluate him. You can't do it after an Adam Gaze full season. To your point, fire him week seven. I don't get the take that they're keeping him to lose out. Uh, it's just like a weird take. And I think him being the head coach gives them the best shot to lose out. I agree with that. I don't think that's why ownership is keeping him. I think ownership is keeping him because I think Chris Johnson kind of likes him and doesn't want to make a move midseason. And Joe Douglas, although I think has that power, he's not going to go into Chris Johnson's office and, and call him for him to be fired. So I He think, knows he's going to be dead anyway. Yeah, but are we done with this game? <clears throat> I don't even want to talk well, about Well, the defense it. was good. Yes, talk about the positives. Defense, defense was really good. Ass off. And also, the one other thing with Sam, um, just real quick, the Dolphins – Dolphins match up very well against the Jets. The Jets' strength on offense is the three receivers, Crowder, Perryman, and Mims. Uh, Dolphins have three very good corners. Uh, well, really, the two outside corners are great. Savian Howard has seven picks now. And Byron Jones, who they paid $17 million from the Cowboys, and they have the rookie first-rounder, Noah Ingbing, whatever, from, fucking from Auburn, that they took the slot corner late in the first. So, tough matchup for the Jets. 
let's see if Sam has a great five games. But I said on Twitter today, we'll take a miracle for Sam to come back next year. Crazier things have happened. But the defense was great. Uh, Quinnen looks like an absolute monster, which oh. is just the – I mean, one of the biggest keys of the season was Quinnen developing, and and he looked great. Bryce Hall looked awesome. Marcus May was all over the place. Um, Hewitt had a good game. Harvey Lange had a good game. Everyone thought to cost the defense was awesome. Was awesome. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, I think Nania put out a good article today too, talking about Bryce Huff and situations of under twenty pass rushes a game. How effective he's been when they use him for a short period of time. Quinn is the type of player that I think he he missed. I want to say week nine. Uh, he missed one game this season, and he, and he still has the statistics. He missed the Patriots of, game, yeah. Right, and he still has the stats up there of the Aaron Donald, and he's top five in all these defensive tackle categories. We've talked about before how three roughing the passer penalties, two of them were very ticky-tacky, and he could have had another sack and a half on the year as well. So it, it's the type of season that we've been asking for. We knew that he was capable of it. Last year, I think you can objectively say he didn't make as much impact as his draft stock was. He came out this year, lost weight, worked all offseason. He's playing like a maniac. So good for Quinnen Williams. Good for Foley, who's another guy in the D-line that we think can be here you know, for three to four more years and be a real piece of this team moving forward. Do you hear that stat with, with the Jets? The Jets are letting up uh, three, 3.6 yards a carry, which is fifth in the league. I didn't realize that. Or maybe three point eight. Three point eight is the number. Another good day from the run defense. That uh, never felt like they the Dolphins had any gash plays in the run. Um, another thing too, Bryce Hall. I think he was. I want to say the quarterback uh, Fitzpit was like six for nine against him. Uh, Devontae Parker got the best of him in a few, but I think he's right there. He's right. Four on, catches yeah. where he was right there when he was on wide receiver number two. He gave up one catch for seven yards. He just looks like the kind of guy that's always around the ball. As you mentioned, two or three catches, he was right there. Uh, so Bryce Hall, I love what I'm seeing. Even Lamar Jackson played tough. Uh, There's times that guys were two to three yards separation. Ashton Davis giving up his third touchdown of the year. Uh, hoping, you know, as he gets more game time, he gets more accustomed to playing on those guys that like Mike Jacecki, who completely, as soon as that ball was thrown up in the air, I just, looked like a touchdown from the get-go but yeah. another look you can't get by Mikai Becton I went back and I watched the nine minute highlight of the game on, on YouTube and every single play I was like I'm just looking at Mikai Becton and not one time <laughs> did anyone get near Sam Darnold not one time and it, it was great to see I think he gave up one pressure uh in this game in his last 100 pass attempts uh snaps he's given up two pressures I believe with zero sacks and zero quarterback hits so there's your franchise left tackle Stay healthy. You can't get around him. He's blocking two guys at once sometimes. I'm thrilled with what Mekhi Becton is doing. Yeah, leading the AFC in Pro Bowl voting for left tackle. Braden Mann is leading. Quinn Williams making a pitch on Twitter. be nice to see the Jets have three Pro Bowlers to uh, play Madden against each other. So I always talk about, and I know we're, we're going a little further than we wanted to in this game, but I'm happy we're talking about it. Your team is 22 starters, 11 on offense, 11 on defense. To win a Super Bowl, you need to have impact guys at each level and then also have competent starters. You can't really have – you can afford one to two eh, meh players on a team and still get by and, and really make a deep run in the playoffs. I think going into 2020, if you do have Trevor Lawrence, left tackle, the second most important position, you have that. 
Crowder, elite slot receiver. You have that. Mims, I love Mims so far. Obviously, we want to see him score more touchdowns and, and get in the end zone, but it's tough to do it with bad quarterback play and Adam Gase as your head coach. So on the offensive side of the ball, Becton, Lawrence, Mims, Crowder. Really damn good start. You look at the defense side of the ball, Quinnen, love what I'm seeing from him. Right. Fully a good depth piece. Bryce Hall, Marcus May. If you take that core of guys and say, all right, these are eight guys that we want to be starters moving in the future, then you have the other guys that we haven't even brought up yet that can fill in those holes, and you have $100 million in cap, and you have premier draft picks. I think this is a good time to start building the young core that we are desperately needing for this team. Yeah, well, McGovern's going to start next year. Right. Uh, maybe you'll have Fant, then you could worry about the two other the two guard spots. You know, you'll have Cam Clark and Elfline, and uh, you know Alex Lewis told Gase to go fuck himself. I think that's true. I think that's Van Ro- true. Yeah, it's probably true, but he shouldn't have said anything about. You never want to follow Jamal Adams, this scumbag. You know, so that's the only thing I disagree with uh, with Alex Lewis there. But, uh, you know, the Jets are going to have to figure out tight end. Maybe you bring back Perryman. Allen Robinson is a name you hear a lot. The problem is, you know, we named like 10, 11 guys. You still have to fill 11 more spots, 10 more spots. Some of these guys are going to be holdovers. Uh, like Bless Austin will be on the roster and you have some other defensive line right. pieces. Mm-hmm. But linebacker, you're going to have C.J. Mosley is going to be a starter next year. Is another, you know, good player. So that's something to think about. Um, right. I think there are better days ahead. I think there has to be. You can't. I want to know. I just want to know who the quarterback is. I just want that out of my mind so we can move forward. But But will be better days. This is the worst season so far in the history of maybe sports. Maybe the 1962 Mets went 40 and 120, but the Jets have the worst record, of course, obviously, and the worst point differential to this point in the history of sports. They're already worse than the Browns when they went 0 and 16. The differential, right? The, they're currently, yes. The, yeah, the yeah. differential is currently worse. Lions, a tough one to catch, but very doable with Adam Gase. Do we want to move towards the top five? Let's do it. All right. Top five individual seasons in New York Jets history. I have a coin here. Heads or tails? Tails never fails. All right. Tails is this side here. You got the first pick of the Let's draft. Let's go. But we're doing a snake draft, right? A snake draft. So Mike gets one, I get two, three, and so on. I think I'm like 0 for 3 or 4, right? You won all yeah, of the I think other it's ones? Four, 0 for 4. Um, I think you're going to win. You, Mike is a stack guy. I think he's going to. The first pick helps in this. Yeah. The first pick is an automatic. When people see it on Twitter, they're going to be like, oh, he has. Yes. It is Darrell Rivas' 2009. Mm-hmm. Is the first pick of the top five today. Mm-hmm. Mr. Rivas. I actually have contested that Darrell Reeves' 2009 is one of the most dominant seasons of in the history of all sports. Oh, yeah. And the reason is you almost can't have a better season than Reeves did. And I wrote a persuasive essay on why Darrell Reeves should have won the 2009 Defensive Player of the Year, and it is criminal. It is, which is actually recognized pretty well across Twitter, mm-hmm. especially just Twitter, over Charles Woodson, who won because he had three more interceptions than Revis. Um, so Revis is 0-9, six picks, pick six, should have had two, stepped out of bounds against the Bucks on the two-yard line. 31 passes defensed is a NFL record. The stat was started to count in 1999. Uh, you know, you guys have all seen the graphic of Revis shutting down Calvin Johnson and, and – uh, 
T.O. and and uh, Vincent Jackson, Andre, and Johnson. Andre Johnson. Every guy he played, he shut down. The only guy he ever had trouble with, for whatever reason, was Ted Ginn. Stevie Johnson would give him a little bit of trouble later. Randy Moss beat him, but that was a different year, and Rivas pulled his hamstring on the play when he held out in 2010. So 2009 Rivas, almost perfect. There was You would never see a lot of a slant, an in, a drag, a screen. He was a great tackler. Uh, he had a 21 AV. He, he was an all pro. I think 2009 Revis is one of the best seasons in the history of sports because he was so close to perfection. He took away a side of a football field. Yeah. Not many guys ever can do that. Uh, 97.6 PFF grade for the year. And the Jets, you know, were number one in, in defense in passing defense in scoring defense is one of the most dominant defenses ever and that's without a great pass rush you know the best pass rusher was calvin pace who's a good player but he's not a you know a speed killer off the edge yeah and a turnover prone rookie quarterback who gave the ball up in sometimes a short field uh also in that year only one game did someone have five catches on Darrell Rivas. randy moss had five for like 31 yards five <laughs> catches everyone else was four or less Great first pick, automatic first pick. I'm going to go with mine. You get two picks. Back to back here. I I have a a strategy I'll tell you after the drafts of why I'm doing this. I'm going with 2004 Curtis Martin. Great pick. Uh, You know, almost 1,700 rushing yards, 12 touchdowns, rushing, receiving. He had two touchdowns as well with 41 catches, 245 yards. There's a reason why the team MVP is named after Curtis Martin for the Jets. I'm very happy I was able to get him somewhere in my top five. Oh, by the way, no repeats. We've talked we talked about this oh, off yeah. air. Mm-hmm. So we you can't pick Revis 09 and Revis 2011. Or right. I would have. Right, right. So Curtis Martin, 04, all pro, pro bowler on the list. Number two, we're going Gastineau, 84. Mm-hmm. 22 and a half sacks, a then record. I love the take of, you know, Strahan never beat it because there's like a touch sack. That oh, he never beat it. Fuck that. Donovan McNabb like threw himself on the floor. Yeah, and I, I think it was cool that Gasno was cool through the time and 20 years later it was like, fuck that. I, still, I couldn't even believe that they gave him that record. <laughs> but uh, the type of impact that I – I couldn't even imagine watching those games live. And think of 22 and a half sacks, how many hurries they would have or quarterback hits that didn't even lead to sacks that every time – a quarterback drop back, your guy was in the backfield. And teams didn't throw the ball that much in those, t- like as much as they do now. Impre- even more impressive that he had that stat. Unheard of at the time. I'm going with 84 Gastineau, number two pick. Okay, that was actually my number three. But Curtis Martin had an insane year in 2004. Like you said, he averaged 23 carries for 106 yards a game, led the league in touches, rushing yards, 12 touchdowns, like you said. Pretty much ran the Jets into the playoffs. Uh, ten and six that year. The Jets weren't supposed to be that good. They went uh, four and twelve the year before in two thousand three. Now my next two guys. This is tough. I'm gonna go with Joe Namath's nineteen sixty eight, and I'll tell you why in a sec. And then I'm gonna go with Joe Klecko's nineteen eighty one. So Namath in nineteen sixty eight won the MVP of the AFL. Led led the league uh, in touchdowns and passing yards the year before he actually threw for 4,000 yards in the 14 game season. 
Uh, excuse me, didn't lead the league in passing yards and touchdowns that year, but still threw for 3,000 yards. The Jets went 11-3, and won the Super Bowl, obviously. But think about Joe Namath winning the MVP, young gunslinger, setting all kinds of records. He's like the Patrick Mahomes of that time. There's a reason Joe Namath is in the Hall of Fame. People always reference the touchdown-interception mm-hmm. ratio. But this guy was dominant. The Jets were incredible Super Bowl winners. Joe Namath was arguably the best quarterback at that time. I think that's one of the most dominant seasons in our history. And then Joe Klecko in 1981, the problem is the league didn't count stats, the sacks until 1982. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Joe Klecko had 20 and a half sacks that year. He was the sports illustrated player of the year. He uh, had a 15 AV. The jets were fantastic in 1981. They, they won, uh, they went 10, five and one. That part of that crazy defensive line, the sack exchange, uh, Klecko got hurt the next year, came back, was, you know, not the same player the rest of his career, still made an all-pro in 85. But all-pro Sports Illustrated Player of the Year, 20 and a half sacks, 1981. Joe is my number three. Yeah, Namath, 68, I love. Um, right, like you mentioned, the year before, better stats. 68, you're the king of the world. You have to take that year. That was my next on the list. My number three is going to be Brandon Marshall, 2015. Damn. Uh, when we, I was in a college dining hall when we traded for Brandon Marshall. I immediately called Mike, or Mike called me, and we talked about that impact. What he did during that year, that whole offseason leading up to 2015 was so goddamn good. Because you bring back Revis, you, you know, get the whole band back together. There was training camps. We talked about a lot of Marshall versus Revis. Anytime Fitzpatrick cocked his arm back, Brandon Marshall was there, and he would make these unreal catches, unreal plays, never always wide open, sometimes contested, sometimes moving guys over. The moment he came in, he was positive. He was a team player, never about himself. A lot of complaints throughout Brandon Marshall's career is that he's a head case. He said his favorite team to ever play for was the New York Jets. So out of all the poor us, we're so dysfunctional. And, and yeah, me and Mike sometimes have moments where we get in that path and we get pissed. Brandon Marshall in 2015, what he did, incredible. 109, 14 touchdowns, 1,500 yards. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Best receiver season, I think, in Jets history. but By far. By far. Well, we can look back to like the There's a close days. And... You have one more pick. I do. So I'm going to go. This is a tricky one. I went back and forth on this since we decided what we were going to do. Thomas Jones. Mm. We're going 08. 08? We're going 08. I'll tell you why. Okay. So 08, he had 1,312 yards, about 80 less than the, the year after. 13 touchdowns, a touchdown less than the year after. But receiving, he caught 36 passes, 200 yards, and two touchdowns. 15 total touchdowns is a jet record. A uh, year after, he only had 10 catches. Pro Bowler in 2008. I went back and, and watched all those games um, when game cast and during the quarantine, they, they released some of the games, uh, especially in that year. You, you can watch the full preview. They did like a 30 minute condensed game of 2008. Just every time he touched the ball, pounding guys, it was just one of those years that you can go a lot of different ways. I didn't want to go two running backs in those on this list, but I had a feeling that maybe you would, you would poach Thomas Jones for me. Thomas Jones was later on my list, but it was an option. I'm going with the 08 year. 
instead of the 09 year. I, I basically took him because I want to talk about why I took the 08 year over him. <laughs> One, breaking the touchdown record for the Jets, and then also being a pro bowler, yeah. being more impactful in the receiving game. So yeah, I'm going 08 Jones. I hear you. I'm gonna, so I have two left because this is tough because then I'm going to have some honorable mentions if you don't take the guys. All right, I'm going to go with Vinny Testaverde's 1998 as my number four. So, you know, obviously the, the 1998 Jets are the only 12-win team in franchise history. Vinny went 12-1 and as a starter. 29 touchdowns, seven picks. Uh, quarterback, you know, rating over 100. Went to the playoffs. One of the most important seasons, you know, in Jets history. The Jets were up 10 nothing to the Broncos in the third quarter of the AFC Championship game. Obviously lost the game, but that's probably the most dominant team in Jets history. You know, 68 Jets are right there as well. But the Jets were fifth in scoring, second in, you know, scoring defense. Uh, legit 12-win team. Vinny was great, 12-1. and Torres Achilles first play 99, but I'll go with Vinny 98 as my number four. Before you go to five. Before I go to five. I want to guess who it is. All right. It's, yeah, I'm really close to team two guys, but I truly think one season is a little bit more dominant than the other. So I'm going to go with one of them, but who do you I think? I don't think you'll go with that. I'm, I'm thinking you're going David Harris 09. David Harris 09 is on my list, but I'm not going to use him. I am going to use Don Maynard's 1967. Don Maynard, 71 catches, 1,434 yards, and 10 touchdowns that year. He led the league in yards. Remember, that's in a 14-game season, so he averaged 102 yards a game, 16 AV. He was almost as dominant the next year when the Jets won the Super Bowl with 1,300 yards and 10 touchdowns. I mean, an unprecedented kind of receiver in those times. I can't argue with 1,400 yards. If he played a 16-game season, he would have been on pace for almost 1,700 yards, so – the you know Brandon Marshall probably the best receiving season in Jets history. I would put Don Maynard as number two, and I would include him on my top five list of uh, most dominant seasons for a Jet player. Yeah. So this one for me, number five. I think I have eight on this list that I can pick from. The reason I'm going to pick it probably recency bias on my part. I went back to the 1980s and dove through all those Jets teams, and. The year that stuck out to me was Ken O'Brien's 1985 year. I'll tell you why. Pro Bowler, yes, but year two in the league. Imagine a year two quarterback for the Jets going 25 touchdowns, eight picks, 3,900 yards. 60% completion percentage during that time. He like led he the league in passer rating. Led the league in passer rating at 96.2. And he was sacked 62 times during that year, too. Got hit all the time and still had 25 and 8. Not as much a dominant year, just a cool year where the Jets made the playoffs, lost to the Patriots. But that specific season going 11-5 at the time, which tied for most wins in franchise history um, at that point um, in 1985. Every time I look back at a, a new year, I get more energized by a different season from a guy. Kenny, Kenny O'Brien, 1985 is number five. You probably didn't even have it in your list by your reaction. Didn't have it on my list, but I already picked Namath and Vinny. So I have a, I have a bunch of honorable mentions. Yeah, I got a bunch. <clears throat> I go rapid fire back and forth. Go. Fitz 2015. Oh, yeah. Altoon 1986 actually was an all pro 
85 catches, 1,176 yards with Kenny O'Brien. Maynard, 65, 14 touchdowns, uh, 1,200 yards, 68 catches. Yeah, I actually had Jamal Adams 2019 on here. Oh, I would have thrown up, dude. I'm not going to – I wasn't going to use if it. But you ha- if you did that, <laughs> I would have smashed my coffee across the room. The fact – even hearing his name, we're about to watch him in three hours play in prime time. Yeah. Hearing his name just, just completely triggers me. Nauseating. All right, what else? We got Harris, 09. I have uh, John Abraham, 2001, 13 sacks, 16 AV All-Pro. I mean, that's a sick year. Well, David Harris should be talked about more because he didn't make the Pro Bowl in 2009, led the league with 21 AV, tied with Revis, 127 tackles, five and a half sacks, two picks. And, you know, the Jets had the number one scoring defense like I talked about and number one defense in terms of yards, and they had two Pro Bowlers. It was Revis was an All-Pro, and Sean Ellis made the Pro Bowl. Yeah. What a, I mean, we look back on it. I wish we could combine all the teams together. Like, how cool would that be? We'd probably go like eight and eight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's so many good years, though. You, you get lost. Those good Jets teams. Well, the, yeah. The, the 70s is a train wreck. and The 90s is a train wreck until the late 90s. Well, yeah. the, Mid-90s. so Mo Lewis would be on this list if you can combine all of his seasons together. He would have the greatest middle linebacker season probably of all time. If you pick like tackles in one. If you pick his best yeah. season from each category, he would have 158 tackles, 10 sacks, four interceptions, two touchdowns, 13 tackles for loss, and 17 AV and be an all pro. But that's. Not I feel like the AV would even be more because it would combine. Probably, yeah. But it's just crazy. He had 10 sacks in a year and then four picks in another year with two pick sixes. I was actually going to post. A nice Mo Lewis pick six. I probably will do that this week. Man. But there's some other great Jets we missed. Keyshawn. Uh, Daynard Paulson had 12 picks. Never forget. Yeah, 1964. You could put uh, Art Powell, the other receiver from the early 60s. My guy. 14 touchdowns that year. Yeah. (laughs) There's, uh, well, obviously the Jets have a lot of good offensive linemen in their history. You know, you have... uh, Hill. Yeah, and Mangold and Kevin Mawai to prick. So there's a lot of great Jets, and, you know, some guys have had ultimate seasons, but I think we covered most, if not all, of the best. You know what's crazy? I think if you go back, we touch on a lot of decades in, in, in this top five, and we could have done more for multiple decades, right? Yeah. From 2010 to 2020, omitting 2015, what are we going to tell our kids about what happened during 2010 to 2020? 2011 was some cool They're games. like, hey, NYJ underscore Matt and NYJ Mike, <laughs> talk to us about what happened through, through that decade. What were like the, the ones that stood out to you? We drafted <laughs> Sam Darnold. That was like a moment that we liked, but it's not working out. I can't. I, oh, I think about it all the time, explaining to my kid, once like Trevor Lawrence has like two championships and he's retired by then, they're like what, like give me, like what happened when you were growing up, and what happened when you were a, you know, a young adult. I'm sure telling it. There's this guy, Sam Darnold, that was great, and they ruined him. And he was one of my favorite players coming out. And it's gonna be a, it's a cautionary tale. I have to yeah. revisit how I feel about players, and and have to. It's a lot of dead time in this. Like like you said, like years like 2017 was brutal. 2014 was brutal. 
Well, 17 is brutal because McCown couldn't even play a whole year. If he plays a whole year, we can actually look back and be like, this guy who's a bridge quarterback played his ass off for us, and he threw for, what was he on pace for? 3,800 3,800? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, by cool. the way, we forgot Freeman McNeil should have been mentioned in our list of dominant seasons as a uh, – he wouldn't be on the list. I mean, you could actually put him over Thomas Jones, but Thomas Jones had a – had an incredible statistical season in 2008 and 2009 to your credit. Man, the Jets should have won the Super Bowl in 1982. That would so have been recap nice. for the listeners, your top five. My top five was Re- Darrell Rivas 2009, Joe Namath 1968, Joe Clucko 1981, Vinny T in 1998, and uh, who did I put five? <laughs> oh, Oh, Don Maynard in Don 1967. Maynard, yeah, yeah. Um, mine was Marin 04, Gasno 84, Marshall 15, Jones 08, Kenny O'Brien 85. I tried to space it out a little bit. I didn't know if I should have taken Gasno and Martin 1 or 2 3. I had a feeling that you were going to take Klecko because I, I know you love that. So I was like, I can get Gasno here. I didn't think I could get Martin on the way back. So I took Curtis Martin's 04. Curtis Martin would have been in my second go round. Yes. Revis had to be the first pick, but I would have taken Curtis and I would have taken whoever you didn't take of Klecko and Gastineau. Love it, dude. Love it. Yeah. So going back, I we if you made it this far in the pod, we're going to go, um, we'll probably do a little teaser on it, but have each Jet and Titans technically for the first three year seasons and do a quick 10, 15 minute breakdown of the players in the team, any head like quick storylines that happened during that year and how they finished. Because I think lost in translation of all the madness in the past decade and the playoff drought, you go back and you think about how horrible the Jets were. And you may be right. The Jets were pretty fucking terrible. I think they're 26 out of 32 teams for win percentage. But there are wins that you should, as a fan, know about and, and look back on and say, look, this was a pretty damn cool year. Uh, and whether it be stats, storylines, or just people, like as a Jet fan, you should know these things. So I'm looking forward to it. I think we'll do a 10-minute, 15-minute recap and do it once a week, once every other week. But it'll be a good break in between the the normal Broadway Jets episodes that we're doing. This is episode 20. So I think, is that like a milestone or is 25 the next like? 20. It's big. 20 matters, dude. It matters. I think, I think with, with that, we'll wrap it there. As always, Mike, it's a pleasure talking to you. And we'll who do we got next week? We got the Raiders coming to the East Coast, which anytime a, a team travels west to east, I talk about the implications and when that has happened this year, the Jets will be getting murdered by the Cardinals, 49ers, and Broncos. So Cardinals gonna throw six touchdowns. Maybe west to east doesn't matter. You heard it here first, Darnold, six touchdowns. Six touchdowns. <laughs>